0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome into the Autzen Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And it's an emergency podcast, if you will. The Oregon Duck men's football team. I don't know what made me go that way because it's a male only sport. Uh, Not a lot of of women's football teams, Matt. Yeah, not a lot of women's football teams out there. But I guess it's just there's a lot of commitments on my mind. Uh, The Oregon football team has secured its second highest rated prospect in its 2022 recruiting class. Uh, They are back inside the top 10 in national ranking, still first in the conference, with the verbal commitment of four-star wide receiver Teta Aroa McMillan uh, of Servite High School in Anaheim, California, Southern California guy. Uh, this is a player who is as borderline five-star as you can get with 24-7 sports. Uh, he is the 27th best player in the country. Um, and when you look at guys in the 2022 class, By themselves, uh, it's right around 30 guys from a a five-star, you know, give or take a little less, a little more. um, Really, really high-profile recruit. The fifth-best receiver in the country. uh, The second-best player in the state of California. These are 24-7 sports rankings. Um, Massive get to land McMillan out of Servite High School in Southern California.
0: No question about that. I think there might be a car alarm going on outside of my place right now. So uh, apologies for that. Um, Actually, I think it went away. That's great news. All right, hopefully uh, (laughs) that wasn't too loud. Um, No, McMillan's a really big addition and not just because of uh, where he stacks up from a recruiting perspective. I just like the different body types. Um, You know, you think about what Oregon did in the 2021 class from a recruiting perspective with uh, you know, Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton, I think those are bigger bodied guys. Isaiah Brevard, those are bigger bodied guys. But McMillan's even a little different from, from that in terms of what his skill set is. Um, incredibly dynamic as a leaper um, and, it, and gets off the ground really quickly it was basketball and a volleyball star down in Servite as well. So we've got some of that skill set, and that comes across on tape, just somebody who like you throw a jump ball for him. And I'm not saying current guys in Oregon's team can't do this because I know they can, but like, this is where his, you know, they say his bread is buttered is kind of that range of the field where he can just jump ball guys and uh, make plays there. And then in the, in, uh, you know, in the intermediate stuff and the short stuff, he's a really good route runner and seems to be open all the time. And when he does get the ball, um, really impressive in the open field so I, I think just like a really impressive polished player um you know i think that's one of the things that stands out in watching him is, is you can just tell that someone who's put a ton of hours into his craft has really worked at it um and it's paid off because you you just watch him and i don't think he's the most athletic from like a straight speed or agility guy in the country like right. Oregon certainly has landed guys who are maybe a higher profile athletically um you know, like about a guy like in this class, like Isaiah Satania, who's a an elite track athlete. That's not McMillan from a speed perspective, but he certainly gets it done with just his general athleticism. And again, as a leaper, as a jumper, and as somebody who just catches everything, um, super valuable guy, um, especially, I think, in short yardage and, and around the goal line if, um, you know, when they get there.
1: The thing I, I look at McMillan, um, I often, whenever I look at recruits and they get scholarship offers or you know, if if it's a guy that's starting to stand out at at certain camps or high school football seasons or whatever, I like to go back and check on the 24-7 player profile page and read the comparisons that the scouting report has. And Greg Biggins is in charge of this comparison, our national recruiting analyst, um, one of the best guys in the business and he compares McMillan to Keenan Allen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what you were describing in a player and who's maybe not the fastest guy, maybe not the quickest guy, but literally Keenan Allen catches everything and Keenan Allen runs really good routes and knows precisely how to get open. And and it's not to say that Keenan Allen or McMillan are slow because they're not. You, you, right. know, you have to be fast to play the receiver position. It's just you also have to know angles and you have to know how to get yourself open and how to create separation. And I think, like you said, McMillan catches everything. And that right there is kind of like I'm trying to think back, Eric. Like, is there a receiver where we felt like probably Dylan Mitchell? And then before Dylan Mitchell, I don't know who it would be that you would instantly gravitate towards. It's been a while where they've had a guy that literally just engulfs every football that's thrown his way. It's like it doesn't matter who's covering him, it doesn't matter how many guys are on him, it doesn't matter what route he's running. The guy's going to catch the football. And you look at that with McMillan and that's kind of what the vibe you get from.
0: You made actually made a really good point. I think in terms of who, who was the guy who's similar to that and the fact that I just couldn't think of someone off the top of my head, I think speaks to a McMillan's talent and how I don't know if he's comparable to anyone organs really had and B to just how far this positions come because honestly, like, I mean, I don't want to diminish some of the receivers that have come through here, but they didn't have superstar receivers very frequently, you know. I mean, he's the, he, he's now the third highest-rated receiver recruit Oregon has landed. He's actually surpasses Dante Thornton um, for that distinction. So there's just a little bit of barely like right right ahead of him, bar- very very narrow margins there. Um, but either way, I mean, that's a really good player that's on the current roster that he surpasses. Um, so that, you know, just from a that context perspective, really impressive. But like, I I really have a hard time thinking of guys that like stood out as awesome pass catchers at Oregon, right? You think about great pass catchers nationally, you think of schools like USC or some of the schools in the Southeast or Ohio State has obviously had a lot of big-time receivers. Michigan did during some of their their high points. Oregon really hasn't had that, and now they're in a place here where I think about this, Matt. Um, Brian McClendon has arrived at Oregon and last year signed three four-star wide receiver recruits. Right now they have four wide receiver rec- recruit commitments and three are four-star recruits. So back-to-back classes for, Mc- uh, for McClendon at Oregon where they have gone out and landed at least three four-star wide receivers. And That's something I don't believe had ever been done in Oregon prior. So um, just put that into context of like they're stacking these recruits and it's exciting to think about like what this receiver room will look like. Like I think to put it this way a little bit of like if McMillan goes to Arizona, which was by the way, strangely, the other school he was looking at, like he's probably day one, their best receiver. Yeah. Um, you know, and probably comes in and maybe is like a potential all conference freshman of the year candidate kind of guy at Oregon. Like, I don't know, like he might be fourth or fifth or sixth at best with this, you know, on this depth chart when he arrives, it's just a different scenario. And Oregon has been really impressive, not only on their ability to land these guys, but also to sell them on playing time and how this fits because it would be easy for a guy like McMillan to go to Arizona where his friends are. A bunch of his friends and teammates at Servite um, are committed to go and to step in and just be a star immediately and do three years at Arizona and, and probably reset some school records and all that stuff. Instead, he's going to Oregon where there's certainly no guarantee he has that kind of immediate success or maybe any of that success at all. He's kind of choosing the, the tougher road here and, and credit to McClendon and Oregon staff for, for selling on him on that option because I'm guessing that wasn't always easy.
1: Two things. Um, one, how much have have we heard about McClendon as a coach from current receivers? Um, we, yeah. we, we talk to these guys and they just rave about him. And they, they just go over and over about how much better they're getting and th- the coaching that they're getting and everything that that comes with being developed and turning into – an elite receiver. And we're hearing that from current players. And then on top of that, we're seeing some of the best recruits out West, some of the best recruits in the country commit to Oregon at the receiver position. And so you're looking at a, a, a guy in Brian McClendon who feels like, Hey, Hey, We're seeing the progression, the development on the football field. And now that he's having the ability to recruit multiple recruiting classes, Mm -hmm. we're seeing the talent improve upon arrival to Eugene. And so it's not going to surprise me, Eric, in a couple of years where Oregon, all of a sudden, if if this trend continues, that Oregon will be in a spot where it's they have a receiver getting drafted every year in the NFL for a stretch of time. Like we're, we're probably three or four years out from, from getting to that point where it's like, Hey, if the last three years, there's been a guy picked in, in, in the NFL, which I'm not saying first round draft pick, but just pure draft picks. And, you know, you look at McMillan and he's the, just the next guy in this group. That's truly fantastic. Um, and then the second thing is I look at this receiving core and it's absolutely loaded. And I think you have to appreciate the fact that this is, this is how Alabama, this is how Clemson, this is how Ohio State builds programs. So it, it truly doesn't matter who graduates, who goes pro early, why they are perceived as a top five team every single year. Because every single year they sign a top three or four player at that position, oftentimes multiple guys. And you look at what Oregon's done now in the last couple of years, Troy Franklin was the number three best receiver in the country. uh, A couple, you know, last cycle, Dante Thornton was the number seven player at his position last recruiting cycle. Um, You you throw in Isaiah Bravard, who's a top 30 guy at that position, but You've now got McMillan, who's a top five guy at that position. Um, you're going out and and you're you're stacking elite class after elite class at at that position, and eventually you're going to break through and you're going to see massive success.
0: Well, this kind of reminds me a little bit, from a regional perspective, of what USC has done yeah. at receiver historically, but also recently. Like think about that team in uh, nineteen Oregon faced and shut this group down, but they had. Michael Pittman, Amon Ar- Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Vaughns, who are all NFL wide receivers, um, and then they had, uh, uh, gosh, it's escaping me, the young wide receiver who's Drake London, who's yep. now probably their go-to guy and, and maybe one of the best receivers in the country. So, kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Where, and and by the way, like here's one of the things that happens: is a guy like Devin Williams, who was a starter for Oregon last year, transferred from USC because he just couldn't play there. I think. Not that I'm suggesting anyone's going to transfer, but the depth at Oregon is going to be a thing where there are going to be players who are very, very talented, who are not going to play very much. And players that, frankly, if you would have committed to Oregon like half a decade ago, would probably be the stars. Sort of like what we were saying with McMillan going to an Arizona and being the star guy. There are going to be guys that are Oregon's sixth and seventh receiver in the next couple of years who are barely playing or playing very infrequently or not at all who probably would have been, like, the team's top dog right? not very long ago. And, and that's the exciting thing here, and McMillan fits in this. And, like, it's, again, from a body type perspective, getting all these six four, six five wide receivers out wide, guys that, you know, excel around the goal line can go out and high point the ball like we think Thornton and Franklin and Brevard and, and now – and Nicholas Anderson as well in the 2022 class along with McMillan, another guy who's really, I think, excels there. Um, boy, they are getting some big athletic wide receivers um, to surround, I think, a really good offense in general. So uh, it's hard to not be like really, really jacked up thinking about what's going on at receiver. A lot of credit to Oregon's offensive recruiting staff, but especially McClendon for, for getting this done. I mean, pretty much home run higher from, like you said earlier, developmental, but now from recruiting. It's hard to think of a receiver coach doing much better um, so far through a job.
1: When we look at this group at, at receiver now that, that they've got verbally committed in this class, um, and, and it's, it's a, probably a bigger group than I would have told you uh, the first day after the 2021 signing day period, when they signed three receivers. Um, I, looking at this group, I'm not exactly sure. I would have thought that you know, they would have had Stephen Johnson, Nicholas Anderson – Isaiah Sategna and now uh, T-Mac McMillan um, on this group a four guy class. And I, Eric, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, I look at this group and you've got a guy that's like six foot four. You've got a guy that's five foot 11 and just a pure speed demon in Isaiah Cetegna. Uh, you, and then you've got two other guys in uh, Stephen Johnson and Nicholas Anderson or Nicholas Anderson, excuse me, is like six four two. So you've you've got two ty- tall guys and Anderson and T Mac, uh McMillan. And then you've got a speed demon and and Cooper or Isaiah Sategna, who's uh, sub six foot, and then you've got Steven Johnson, who's kind of like that that tweener guy, like right in the middle, possession. You know, he could be a deep threat. He al- he also could be a possession guy. I like this mix now of receivers that they've got.
0: Oh, it's great. And I'm guessing Oregon sees these taller guys as their quote, I think they call them X and and Y receivers um, outside guys, and that they see Satania and Johnson more as some of the slot receivers as well. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to, again, it's going to be a thing where it'll be really interesting to see how this mix works because there are already guys on the roster who carry some similar traits that they're going to have to compete with. And I'm kind of wondering if, if, if they continue to just stack this recruiting (laughs) Like this, like just kind of what this competition is going to look like, because I do think you now have, in theory, in twenty two, a roster of a bunch of six four, six five guys competing for spots, and a roster of a bunch of guys who are probably sub six foot or six one at tallest competing for spots in the slot. That's going to be just fascinating to watch develop because um, Oregon's never really had the luxury of 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 having this many guys this tall. Frankly, Um, I remember when. Willie Taggart came in and his one year um, they went out and they had a ton of success recruiting these six, four, six, five body types. Um, And then they all had to take, and then they basically all left because of Taggart leaving. So this is kind of, I think long been a thing Oregon has wanted to try to do underneath a couple different coaching staffs. um, And now you're starting to see success. And again, even just watching the scrimmages that we've had and the spring game, we've had these young guys seem to come in ready to play. And if McMillan can be, just the latest guy that comes in ready for, for playing time, boy, it's going to be hard in 2022 for, for some of these guys to get many snaps. And you just kind of wonder like eventually, um, you know, how, how talented can they get? How many of these guys can they even hold on to? Cause all these guys want to play. All these guys know they're talented and it's just going to be one football and only three starting spots.
1: I look at this class now and there's basically from a receiver standpoint, um, there's one guy that, they would take a verbal commitment from as things currently stand, knowing how the roster is built, knowing how many scholarships they've got available um, and knowing how many guys they've got currently committed. And that's five-star receiver, Kevin Coleman. Yep. Like I, I have a really hard time seeing them take a Brandon Thompson from Texas, a Andre Green from Virginia Uh, maybe a uh, Darius Clemens from Portland, Oregon. Um, Dane key from, from Kentucky guys that are all very high on the Oregon football program right now, but just looking at the players that are committed, it's going to have to take some movement. Maybe it's Joe Moorhead convincing Mario crystal ball. Hey, you know what? I want to shift away from double tight ends and, and use one tight end. And, and instead of one, you know, I want to bring in a, a, a formation where we've got four receivers and we're using those a lot um, that set more than we're using two tight ends. Or maybe it's a couple transfers that go out or a, a decommitment or two in this recruiting class. Yeah. I think, I think Kevin Coleman is the only one right now that Oregon's probably going to still severely heavily recruit. Um, they'll still probably keep in touch with Brendan Thompson. They'll probably keep in touch with Andre green and, um, Darius Clemens and, uh, you know, the rest of those guys that I mentioned, Brennan Thompson, but it's more so going to be of, Hey, you know, we filled up. We still think you're really good. If things change on our end or if things change on your end, let's touch base and see where we're at and, and maybe we can work things out. But right now it's unfortunate we're full. You know, but hey, if something does change, you know, we'll give you a phone call. Um, I think Kevin Coleman is the only one just because he is so good. He's the number two player in the country at the position. He's an elite burner. Um, you don't turn down that speed, that impact that the, that, that guy would bring to the table. Um, and even then, it's kind of like, is this the best use of a scholarship? Or could we maybe justify sending it somewhere else? Even then, it, we're, you're at that spot.
0: For those listening, go look at the recruiting rankings of the guy, Matt's not, not obviously Coleman's a five-star, but the other guys you just mentioned, Thompson and Clemens and Green, those are like all top 150 recruits, yeah. I think. And they're all four-stars. And these are guys Oregon just like doesn't really have room for right now. Um, and again, things could change. Decommitments, you mentioned all that stuff. I, I just think in general, I have a hard time seeing a class with five receivers in it. That just seems way too big, especially when you have already a surplus. I know, I mean, I know things are good and, and you don't want to turn down guys and... Coleman's I think you have to take a five-star basically yeah. ever if he wants to come so you save a spot there that's like a luxury recruit but yeah I mean in general like you're turning down guys who every other school in the conference would prioritize maybe atop their board um, you know maybe maybe not USC and, and Arizona State because they've had some success with some other receivers and stuff recently but but boy I mean <laughs> you run through just the and maybe that's the way just to, to, to kind of show how great this recruiting class is at receivers. Like the guys Matt just ran through who Oregon, by the way, green junior, I think just included Oregon in his top six yep. and Clemens included Oregon in his top three um, right after Saturday night live. After he was at that camp um, Thompson is somebody who I know Oregon was, he was in, they were in a good spot with earlier this off season. So like these are guys that Oregon legit probably has a good shot with if they, if they are takes, but like right now they aren't because they've landed so many really good receivers. Uh, and, it's an incredibly good
1: spot to be in. And how many of those guys four years ago, three Mm. years ago, two years ago. Yeah, exactly. Would probably be your crown jewel at the receiver position. Yeah, probably all of them. All of them, probably. Like, I think that in and of itself is a statement for how good recruiting at Oregon has gotten over the last couple of years, and that they're now starting to turn away recruits that were in a position just, a couple years ago to be your crown jewel for a class. And I think that speaks volumes to where this class is going, where they're at uh, and the potential that this team is going to have with this verbal commitment. Um, As things now stand with the ducks, uh, we mentioned this here um, earlier on the show, but they now have 18 verbal commitments. Their class ranks ninth in the country. They surpass Clemson. They also surpass Florida state. Uh, and they are just behind a couple of schools, Oklahoma at eight, um, Texas A&M at seven. they both have 244 points and then some, you know, very uh, half of a point or a third of a point. Um, Oregon's at 243.48. Oklahoma's at 244.29. So Oregon is is right there in the thick of it. And if you look at this class and the the guys that – are on the table and are still seriously looking at Oregon. If they go their way, like a Jalil Tucker, if we just wanna get crazy here, just for a second, and you wanna think about the potential that, that this team has uh, from a recruiting standpoint of what could happen for Oregon, you wanna look at this class and let's just say they land uh, Jalil Tucker, a four star athlete out of San Diego. The crystal ball is trending that way. I expect it. You expect it. But he's going to announce his verbal commitment here in a couple of days. If that follows through with how it should play out from an outside perspective, Oregon now all of a sudden has the fourth best recruiting class in the country. They're ahead of Alabama. They're ahead of Georgia. They're ahead of LSU. And I think it's legitimate, Eric, to think about that this team – might finish the 2022 recruiting cycle with a top six or a top seven recruiting class. And for, I think would be the third straight year, score the program's highest rating recruiting class in program history. I, that's now in my eyes, it's now feasible to think about this.
0: Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's going to be a good week. I think we think, we, we think, and I definitely believe it will be in retrospect, with McMillan now, and, and like Matt said, a very, very high probability of landing another four star recruit later. Um, and then this cycle, you're right. Um, you know, I, there was a spoke with a couple people like in June or May, and there was some optimism that this was going to be a better class than the last couple that Oregon has landed. And that just felt kind of foolish c- considering where things were at. I don't, I still don't think they surpassed last year. I don't know if you do, Matt. I mean, it's actually getting the more, the, the more success they're having and the way the recruiting rankings are looking. I'm now kind of siding with this actually might happen, but there was optimism then about maybe this was going to be a special class and to see it now where we are now in right around the start of the, the, you know, the 2021 football season where it's actually potentially top five could be better than that. Like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty special because it didn't really feel like it was headed there, Matt. I know we recorded some podcasts back in the spring and it was kind of like, okay, maybe this will be a top 10, top 12, top 15 class. I don't think we thought top five and there are, You know, we talk about McMillan and then Tucker. There are still some big-time targets, like primary guys, Oregon's in a really good spot for, like a Cyrus Moss or, you know, even a Kevin Coleman. Um, And I'm sure there are some that I'm I'm blanking on that are also super obvious. But it's not like there are not a lot of guys that they're going to still go after and get after they get McMillan. And and again, after that, we think they get Tucker, I I think this class is going to be really, really special. And from a recruiting ranking perspective, maybe it will be closer to the 21 class than we kind of thought it might be back in – in March or April.
1: And I think part of that stemmed from, we didn't think they would have trouble landing recruits. We, we, we felt like they would go out and from a guy to guy, average player rating, they would be up there. They would have the best players coming to Oregon. I think the issue was for, for you and I was a numbers perspective, but Oregon's operating. And it feels like they're going to be closer to 25 than 20. And we were like, Thinking twenty was probably the absolute max that they Good would be, yeah. that, that yeah. they would be getting to. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case the way that, that Oregon's operating. And and so you know, if you've made it this far on the podcast, things are tr- going tremendously well for Oregon, and yet it could get even better for the Ducks on the recruiting trail for twenty twenty two in the twenty in the twenty four seven sports recruiting rankings. Things are going. Uh, very positive, very well for the Ducks. And we will have full coverage, if not more, on this commitment and what else could be coming down the pipeline on duckterritory.com in the near future. So thank you for listening to the and Audibles podcast.
0: Talk to you later, folks.
1: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm
0: Tony. We you expect someone else?